Well, at this time, I'd ask you to stand as we read God's Word. Stand in the reading of God's Word, and we're going to be in John chapter 21. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 19. John 21, 15 through 19. This is the Word of the Lord. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my sheep. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Father, we are about to hear the preaching of God's word and the understanding of God's word. May it be one that truly does ask the question, do you love me? What would we answer? What is our answer to that question? Father, I pray that each one of us love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Father, may your preaching just give us understanding and may we apply it to our lives. In Christ's name, amen. Well, for those of you who are Christians, and I would assume that would be most of you, uh, let me ask you this morning. After you sincerely and genuinely professed your faith in Christ, and you were baptized as a part of your testimony, have you ever done things that would call into question whether or not you're really born again? That you're actually a new creation? Who's never done anything to dishonor the Lord? You've never acted like your old self, never had your spouse or a friend to say, I thought you were a Christian. And you just did that? Anyone here ever experienced that like I have? If you say no, you're most likely lying. Because none of us have reached the level of perfection, have we? The perfection for which we strive. That we might never have our faith and commitment questioned. You know, I've been so disappointed with myself that on several occasions I've thought about leaving the ministry. I love you, Lord. I do. But there are times when it's not as obvious as it ought to be. I mean, I've said some things I wished I could take back. I've done some things that I, I wished I could do over. Lord, are you sure that you want me to preach and teach your word given my failures? You know, as we saw last week, Peter has never stopped loving the Lord. 
Once he realizes it's Christ on the shores of the Sea of Tiberias, he dives into the water and swims ashore to him. When Christ says, let's cook the fish you caught, Peter rushes out to the boat with the others, and the others have rowed to ashore and, and gathers in the fish, and together they have a wonderful time of breakfast as the sun comes up over the horizon. And then in verse 15, John says, when we finished eating, Jesus said to Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Christ said to Peter, then feed my lambs. Why does he say Simon, son of John? You know, back in Matthew 4, as Christ is choosing his disciples, he meets a fisherman named Andrew who brings his brother Simon to Christ. And Christ immediately gives him a new name. This is what I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you Cephas. That's Aramaic. In Greek, it's Peter. It means a stone, a rock. Peter? I mean, Peter is very strong-willed, but he's so impulsive, and he can be so brash. I mean, why give him a name that represents stability? I mean, Peter's anything but a rock. Well, Christ was not naming Peter for who he is, but for who he will make him to be. Now, will he be a rock within a week or two? Absolutely not. I mean, Peter's the one who, who jumps out of the boat in Matthew 14 to, to walk on water and nearly drowns. He's the one who takes Christ aside in Matthew 16 and rebukes the Lord for speaking about his death. Rebukes him. On so many of these occasions, when Peter impetuously acts like his old self, Christ often refers to him by his old name, Simon. So why does he call him Simon, son of John, in today's text? Well, if you remember back in John 13, on the night prior to the crucifixion, Peter asked Christ, where are you going? And Christ says, well, you can't follow me now, but you will later. And Peter says, why can't I follow you now? I mean, I'm willing to lay down my life for you. And Christ said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. I believe that really wounded Peter, really wounded him. Because if you go through the text, you'll see that Thomas will speak up, Philip will speak up, Judas will speak up. Peter goes silent. Now, no one else seems to pay much attention to that comment, but I think Peter is truly hurt. When Christ tells him that, no doubt in Peter's mind, he's thinking, this can't be true. I would never do that, Lord. Why would you say such a thing? And if you keep reading uh, uh, back in the Gospel of Matthew, when you get to chapter 26, it says that, that this is still eating away at him. It's still eating away at him. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever been corrected in front of other people? And no one else there maybe probably thinks that much about it, but boy, do you take it to heart. And it just wounds you. And you keep hearing that comment that corrected you or rebuked you, and you nurse it and nurse it and nurse it over and over and over and over in your mind. Well, when they leave the upper room and go to the Garden of Gethsemane, verse 30, Christ said, you'll all fall away because of me this night. As it is written, the shepherd will be struck and the sheep will scatter, but I'll be raised up and go before you to Galilee. 
In verse 33, Peter says, though they all fall away, though they all fall away, I will never fall away, Lord, never. What Christ said to him in the upper room is still eating away at him. This can't be true. This can't be true. And the reason I know it's not true is because I love you. And it's a sincere love. I totally get it that we are weak and frail and that others might mess up. But not me, Lord. Not me. The very idea of me denying you is beyond comprehension. Though all of them fall away, I will not. And Christ says, this night, Peter, before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Peter says, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And the other disciples said the same thing. But Peter's the one who tried to prove it when he attacked the servant of the high priest Malchus, cutting off his ear. But even that attempt to prove that he meant what he said didn't turn out very well. It led to a sharp rebuke by Christ. Another very embarrassing moment. And then that awful moment came. The worst of all. When everything that Christ predicted came true. And Peter denies that he ever knew him. That he has any association with him. I do not know that man. And when he says that. He hears the rooster crow. After that like the other disciples. He then hides behind locked doors for fear for more than a week till Christ finally tells them to go to Galilee. You know, it's that kind of disappointing behavior that Peter would never forget. Now they've gone home and they're waiting for Christ to come and they've been fishing all night and they caught nothing. And then someone from shore yells, cast your nets on the right side. Man, that voice sounded awfully familiar. So they do what he says, and when they do so, they haul in 153 fish. And John says to Peter, it is him, just as we thought. And Peter dives into the water and swims ashore to greet him. I mean, there's no question that Peter loves the Lord. But after they eat breakfast, Christ looks at him and says, Simon, son of John. That's never a good sign when he doesn't call me Peter. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, what does Christ mean by these? I mean, there's a lot of scholars and pastors who all disagree on this. Some say that Christ is talking about the boat, the nets, the fishing, and all that. That these things with which Peter is comfortable is what Christ is talking about. Do you love me more than these things? But you know, in light of Peter's earlier comment, though they all fall away, I will never fall away, Lord. These may refer to Matthew 26. Do you love me more than these disciples love me as you proclaimed a few days ago? Do you? Simon, do, do you see your love for me being superior to theirs? And so the word that, that Christ uses for love here comes from agape, agapeo. It's actually agapus in this, uh, in this text, but that's what it's from. It, it's from, it's, it's agape love that's unconditional, that's sacrificial. And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know I love you, but, 
he changes the word for love to philo, from phileo, which means, yes, Lord, yes, you know I care about you a great deal. However, given what I've done, I mean, how can I say I love you unconditionally more than they do? How can I say that? Given how miserably I've failed under those conditions in Jerusalem, can I say I love you unconditionally? I can't. Phileo is a Greek word for love. They, they have several words for love. Eros is a, is a romantic type of love. Phileo is a brotherly type of love. As a matter of fact, you take phileo in Adelpha, Adelphia, which is brother, and you get Philadelphia, that is love of brother. And this is a very sincere affection. This is a strong love between family and friends. But Peter can't say, I love you unconditionally as the Lord loves us, given what he did. However, that doesn't mean that I don't love you. You know all things. You know I love you. Yes, I messed up, and I'm very sorry, very sorry, but I love you. And Christ says, Busque, feed my lamb. Now, he'd already said to them, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. That's John 14. So my command is, feed my lambs. That's what you've been discipled for for the last three years. If you love me, as you say, and I know it's true, then feed those that I will call into my fold for God's glory. This is a ministry responsibility, not just for pastors or elders or teachers. I mean, really, this is for everyone who loves the Lord. Do you love me? Do you? Then feed my sheep. Which means you don't ever do anything that would hurt those who belong to Christ. He called them. He died for them. He's got a plan for them. Don't you hurt them. The point that Christ is making to Peter is one that every church member ought to take seriously. Don't you ever say anything. Don't you ever teach anything. Don't you ever do anything that will hurt one whom he has called for his purposes. Don't you gossip. Don't you criticize because of some petty jealousies. Don't you mislead. And don't you mistreat them. Now he calls them lambs because as the Lord said in Psalm 95, we are the people of his pasture. We're the flock under his care. His lambs are some of the most precious, harmless, and often most vulnerable creatures on earth. Feed them. Now lambs refers to the young ones. That's why we're asking, will you serve in the preschool ministry? Will you feed the lambs, please? And again, he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. And then he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And it says that John says Peter was very grieved over this because he said a third time, do you love me? He said he was really grieved. He is hurt. And he said, Lord, you know everything. 
You do. You know I love you. And Jesus said, then feed my sheep. Do you see what he says here? Feed my lambs, the little ones. Tend to my sheep, the older ones. And feed them too. Christ has asked him a second time using the word agapeo. But he doesn't say more than these this time. He drops this matter concerning, do you love me more than these other disciples love me? No, no, no. This isn't about them. I'm asking about your heart. And Peter answers again with phileo. Phileo. And then Christ says a third time, do you love me? Using this time the same word that Peter uses. He uses phileo. Do you see what's happening here? Three times Peter denied Christ around a charcoal fire. And three times around a charcoal fire, Christ asked him, do you love me? The first time, do you love me more than these other disciples love me like you said, unconditionally? The second time, he drops the comparison with these disciples. Do you love me unconditionally, Peter? Do you? And then the third time, he uses the word that Peter uses. Do you love me as much as you love Andrew, your brother? And this really hurts. It really hurts. The word grieved here reveals the degree to which Peter is truly anguished over what he did. You know, when he says, Lord, you know everything, that's a quotation from the Old Testament. 2 Samuel 7. When the Lord tells David the Messiah will come through his lineage, you know what David says? Lord, you know all things. You know everything about me. And you know I don't deserve this. I don't deserve your blessings given what I have done. So this surgery that Christ is doing on Peter's heart with each question reminds him of the night that he would most like to forget. Where is Peter's boasting now? It's gone. Still think you love me more than these other disciples love me? Forget about the unconditional, sacrificial love. Do you love me as much as you love your brother Andrew? You see, this is where our relationship with the Lord begins, folks. Understanding the truth about ourselves. That we're not to come boasting in our testimony about how we found the Lord. The Lord was never lost. We were lost. Boasting about what great things we did when we chose to believe in Jesus. Or how much we know. How much we've done. Arrogant Christians is an oxymoron. They're like Pharisees. See, followers of Christ begin with poor in spirit, as Christ said in Matthew 5 who humbly acknowledge that what I did, you want to know what I did? I sinned. That's what I did. I failed to be what the Lord created me to be. I'm spiritually bankrupt. I have nothing to boast about in the presence of a holy God. I'm the one who was lost. As long as we think the Lord is kind of lucky to have us within his church, that somehow or another we're just, we're just kind of a notch above others. The Holy Spirit warns the church. He warns the church in Corinth. 
He says, you let anyone who thinks he stands, who is so self-confident and so sure he is able to be all the Lord has called him to be, to be a rock in the midst of a storm, you let him be very, very careful lest he fall. 1 Corinthians 10 to 12. Now, why does Christ do this publicly in front of the other disciples? Is he trying to embarrass Peter? Of course not. That's not Christ. But there does have to be a divine purpose for this or he wouldn't have done it. So what was his reason for doing this? On Pentecost, Peter will will take the, the lead in proclaiming the gospel to thousands. In the days that follow Pentecost, Peter and John will be the ones who are dragged before the Sanhedrin in Acts 4 and they're told to stop preaching about Christ and his resurrection. They're going to be arrested, they're going to be beaten, they're going to be threatened, and it will not dampen Peter's resolve to preach Christ, Acts 5. It is Peter who is in the presence, who is present when the Samaritans receive the Holy Spirit in Acts 8. It is Peter who is summoned to the home of the Roman centurion Cornelius when the Holy Spirit comes upon them, Acts 10. It is Peter who opens the door for the gospel to be proclaimed to the Jews and to the Samaritans and to the Gentiles. It is Peter who spends time with John Mark, according to 1 Peter 5, as the gospel is recorded through Mark for the Romans. It's Peter the Holy Spirit uses to give us two epistles, 1 and 2 Peter. If Christ had not publicly restored him for the purpose for which Christ died for him, this broken and repentant disciple may never have had the resolve to fulfill the mission for which he had been redeemed. Or if he had tried to do what he did without this, without this restoration, others may have always questioned his credibility for ministry. Always given those awful denials in Jerusalem. But the other disciples saw and they heard Christ say to Peter three times, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Christ is removing all doubt as to how the Lord intends to use Peter. All doubt. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted and But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. Truly, truly means listen up. Listen, this is what's going to happen, Peter. Remember back when you were young, you dressed yourself and walked wherever you wanted to go? In other words, you pretty much did what you wanted to do. You were the one in charge of your life. But that's not going to be the case moving forward. As I said in Matthew 16, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. So when you're old, Peter, when you're older than what he is now, they're going to arrest you. And they're going to stretch out your hands and they're going to dress you and take you where you don't want to go. They're going to crucify you. See, stretching out your hands dressing you, taking you where you don't want to go was always associated in that culture in that day under Roman occupation. That's always associated with being crucified. You say, well, how how do you know that's what Christ really meant? John tells you that's what he meant. Verse 19. This he said to show by what kind of death Peter was to glorify the Lord. And after saying this, he said, follow me. Peter, you you said you were willing to die for me, and you will. 
you will. So I don't want you to be discouraged over what happened in Jerusalem. What you did there, Peter, is not a forecast of who you will become. What you did around that charcoal fire that night is a part of the story, but it's not the end of the story. It's not the end. You will finish well. You will feed my lambs. You will tend my sheep and you will feed my sheep. And you'll do it with courage and integrity for years to come. As Christ said in Luke 14, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Can't do it. The days ahead will be exciting, Peter. Man, are they going to be exciting. You're going to see the work of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. I'm telling you, Peter, when you stand up and speak, people from all these nations are going to hear the gospel in their own language. And how exciting is it going to be to see 3,000 respond and baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But there will be tough days ahead, too, because there will be opposition. The Sanhedrin will arrest you. They'll throw you into prison. And so whether it's a time of glorious celebration or a time of just great fellowship within the church or it's a time of of horrific opposition that leads to death, regardless, Peter, you will follow me to the end. And you will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. See, Peter will not waver in the future. That's what Christ is telling him here. He has given him hope that his past is no indication of his future. Forgetting what is behind. Looking forward to what is ahead. Rather than doing life according to his own will and his own way, as he did when he was younger... Christ will send the Holy Spirit to give him the power that he needs to be what the Lord has called him to be and has redeemed him to be. And he will finish well. History confirms it. In the book of Martyrs by John Fox, he says that Peter is crucified on an inverted cross in Rome, which reunites him with the Lord in the place that Christ promised to prepare for him in John 14. And today, Peter is continuing to give God glory for using him in ways that honored his creator and his redeemer. And he's still rejoicing. He's still rejoicing that he was counted worthy by the grace of God to die in the name of Christ the way his Savior died for him. So what lessons are we to learn from this? Well, the first lesson that that kind of jumped up at me is if you love Christ, being honest with yourself will sure humble you. Christ asked Peter, do you love me with the kind of love that I have for you, agapeo? Do you? With that kind of unconditional, sacrificial love? And you know, at one time, Peter would have said, well, of course, Of course I do, Lord. I mean, if everyone else in the church falls away, I will still be there come next Sunday. And I'll be there come next year. I'll still be here. Peter learned the truth about himself. 
Oh, he loved the Lord, but not with the same kind of unconditional love with which the Lord loved him. I tell you, that was so humbling. It led him to be honest with himself. Are you being honest with yourself this morning? Do you love the Lord? Do you? Is it evident in the way you treat your spouse? The way you bring up your children? In the way you treat others within the church? What about those with whom you work? Would they be shocked to hear you're a Christian? You know, we all come up short. And it grieves us. It grieves me when I come up short. And if you're not grieved over that this morning, you might have a bad heart. Better have it checked. Secondly, if you love Christ, you will disciple his children. You know, the word for tend here, tend my sheep, had to do with leading a lamb, young ones, and sheep, older ones, to pasture. Leading them to pasture and making sure they eat, making sure they get the food they're supposed to have, making sure they are nourished. You know, that's something that every Christian has a responsibility to do, not just to come and sit here and, and graze upon what I feed you, but to take what you receive and give it to others. I mean, that was the reason for the training exercise that Christ gave to Peter and the others in Galilee when he fed the twenty to 30,000 people. His disciples came to him and received the nourishment that he provided. And then they turned and gave it to others. That was a training exercise to demonstrate how the Lord uses his people to feed, to feed one another. Thirdly, if you love Christ, you will be faithful in your service. Notice these of whom Christ speaks are his, his lambs, his sheep. He died for them. He's got a purpose for their life. I mean, there is a reason that, that there are the people there are in your small group, in your women's ministry, in your men's ministry, in your youth ministry, in your preschool ministry. How are you serving them? How are you protecting them? How are you encouraging them? How are you discipling them? If you love Christ, you will take up your cross and follow him. We will all one day die. Christ said in Matthew 16, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And he goes on to say, whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake gives up who he is to be born again in me, will find it. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? You know, our, our text ends this morning with follow me, are you? If you have any questions, you can go to the connect table. There'll be somebody back there to answer your questions. As we come to a close this morning, why don't we stand together and pray for the Lord to 
do within us what he did within Peter. Lord, for some here today and, and maybe for those that will be watching online in the next service, this is just a good reminder. For others, uh, this text may be speaking to where they are right now in need of being restored to the life for which they have been redeemed. So we ask that you do speak to our hearts as to how you would most like to use us for your glory. That others might see our love for you. They might be able to see it. In spite of the failures of our past, we want to finish well, Lord. We want to finish like Peter. We want to tend your your sheep, feed your lambs and sheep, and follow you, and follow you. For it's in Christ's name that we ask it. Amen.